Lisa? Alistair, I'm going to give you your choice of punishment. Now, either you will copy this entire dictionary from cover to cover, or you will watch. You can't do that on television on Nickelodeon. The dictionary. Watch. You can't do that on television. Weekdays at 4 and 7 Eastern, 3 and 6 Central. Attack, a 90s podcast honoring the slime-filled past. I'm your egg-laying Easter Bunny, Alex, and some of you may be wondering where Brett has gone. Now, if you haven't heard our latest important announcement, Brett has had to officially step away from Splat Attack. Uh, if you want to know more, you can check out the important announcement that I made that is on YouTube right now, as well as on the other podcast apps. But that being said... I do have a special groundhog hunting chef guest co-host, Patricia from Old School Lane. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Alex, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me over to your podcast. This is great. Well, thank you so much for joining. And uh, Patricia was very kind to invite us to join her for uh, our brief uh thoughts on the latest two are you afraid of the dark uh miniseries and she has invited us out uh, again since but unfortunately the the last time was it, it timing was not going to work out but uh we we hope to work more again together but how are things in your neck of the woods uh pretty good actually we just completed our halloween podcast for old school lane calling it old spook lane creepy chats and we had an entire month dedicated to Tim Burton, and then we concluded it with uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, where we had um, various people from the Scooby-Doo fan community to talk about their thoughts on Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island in honor of his 25th anniversary. Uh, right now, I am working on several scripts for my uh, YouTube channel, which is at Old School Lane. Uh, I just finished writing and recording the audio for a Media Hall of Fame episode, which is is a series that I do on my YouTube channel where I highlight the best of TV shows or movies or specifically just anything that would highlight somebody who's done amazing for media. And um, uh, the As Told by Ginger anniversary was just about a few weeks ago, and I am highlighting 10 podcasts who have covered As Told by Ginger. So that is my next one, and I'm hoping that throughout this month, you know, being uh, related to something relevant for 90s Nickelodeon is Good Burger. And the Good Burger mm -hmm. sequel finally is going to be released on Paramount Plus in a few weeks from now. So I'm hoping to cover the original Good Burger, and then afterwards take a look into the sequel to see how that's oh man i'm excited about all of that that is so cool yeah well take a guess at what we're doing today and be very careful with how you answer or you might get slimed <laughs> well it's a good thing that i do know the answer we're visiting <laughs> the you can do that on television studio where we discuss our favorite festive comedy sketches ah you're you're absolutely right and I'm very excited to talk about You Can't Do That on Television. It is one of the staples that put Nickelodeon on the map, along with Double Dare, both in the 80s. Now, I do want to preface that although Splat Attack is a 90s-focused, it is 90s-focused, this show is definitely a product of the 80s. 
Now, the series started in 81 and it ended in 90. However, the network, as they often did, kept re-airing The Birthplace of Slime up until 1994. So early 90s Nick kids, such as myself, will be familiar with the show and still considered a staple of 80s and 90s. Now, judging by the content that you share on Old School Lane, I am just assuming your experience with Nickelodeon is more of mid to late 90s. Is is that accurate? No, it's not, because I actually grew up in Nickelodeon throughout the mid to late 80s. Yes. I actually saw shows such as uh, Double Dare, You Can't Do That on Television, The Wonderful World of David and Elm. Um, and various other shows. So I was, I, even though I was very, very young during that time, I was growing up with those specific shows during that time period. And then I would say like when I was a young kid, like around six or seven, that's when the original Nicktoons started like becoming more popular and it started airing a lot more than saying all of the acquired Canadian or European shows that we got throughout the late seventies, throughout the early eighties. Mm, yes. Oh, man, that's uh, speaking right to my heart, uh, because I, I was very, very fortunate to also be one of those. Uh, I was born in 85, so I was uh, very young whenever I still got to see like Danger Mouse and Count Duckula and be up early for Mr. Wizard's World and uh, being able to watch. You can't do that on television because I remember it coming on in the late afternoon. Just Yeah, late, late afternoon, like around before they started airing like some of the other Nicktoons or maybe they would air like um I, I don't know if you recall this but they also aired a lot of like 1950 shows even before like Nick yes. and I started picking it up yes so they had like uh Lassie and they had Dennis the Menace they had uh I Love Lucy and various other shows that were in between all of the other Nicktoons like, just when they were just starting off with creating their own original content yes and uh I remember a lot of the jokes for are you for are you afraid of the dark? I remember a lot of I remember a lot of the jokes for you can't do that on television really going over my head uh, when I was that young. The only thing I was really sticking around for was the slime and watching kids get water dumped on them. That's about all I really recognized. Yeah, and then there's also the locker jokes, which have since been uh, parodied in so many sketch comedy shows. I mean, Robot Chicken even did a, a skit on you can't do that on television where they had the locker jokes, they had Barth's Burgery, they had um, Seth Green and the uh, producer sitting down and um, he was asking the question about like, oh, when do we do get a raise? And he's like, I don't know, get slimed. And then he just uh, stands up and tells Seth Green, your show's canceled. <laughs> I just wanted to say that y'all are doing a really good job on Robot Chicken. That's great. So when are we getting renewed for another season? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're canceled. Yeah, I think that some people will probably know about those iconographies based off of like parodies. But for the most part, the thing that people still take away from You Can't Do That on Television is definitely slime and maybe one or two of the jokes that has mm -hmm. still stuck towards people who grew up with the show. Anybody says, I don't know, they get slimed. Kids speak out about the slime controversy. First, 
the pro slimer. I like the slime. I love when Lisa Ruddy gets green slime. I like green slime. Nick, I want more people to get slime. Now the anti-slimers. I don't want to be slime. I'll think it would be yucky to be slime. It's totally disgusting. Gross. I don't want to be slime. And here's the one kid undecided on slime. Nick, I don't know what I want. There you have it. The slime controversy rages on on Nickelodeon, the first kids network. And this is definitely a product of the 80s where things were far more acceptable than than they are now, at least in terms of general society. And that has that has changed. So we'll probably dive a little bit into that, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, And this is not a uh, full retrospective of the entire series altogether. This is an episode review. And today uh, we are going to be looking at the holidays episode Uh, for all of you, because our our Slimesters have a pretty decent range. They're, they're right in our pocket uh, of, of age group, but we also have a lot of mid to late 90s also that completely missed out on uh, You Can't Do That on Television. So for those for those of you who don't know and just have a basic idea of it, You Can't Do That on Television is a Canadian sketch comedy show that originally aired as Ottawa local programming before it ran on Nickelodeon in the U.S. from 1981 to 1990, again with reruns going to 94. Each episode is made up of several very, very quick sketches revolving around a unifying theme. I kind of think like Welcome Freshman, only faster. Uh, Much faster. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, it's quick. Uh, yeah, and, and and people argue that Roundhouse is quicker with its skits. I I think pacing, in terms of the jokes, it, it is faster, but sketch-wise, the Roundhouse sketches are padded out a little more, whereas you can't do that on television. They, they are literally just a few seconds, and then it's on to the next thing, so... I got this word for word from the Encyclopedia Titanica. You'll also receive a thesaurus of made-up words so big, your teacher won't admit she doesn't know them. George Washington's flatulosity made him our most rectitious president. Uh, very good. Thank you. You're a munificent posterior. Dad? What? Who's the most popular person among all your friends? Well, I would say... Whoever's buying the next round of drinks. (laughs) I get it. Uh, it 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 is a bit up for debate, but there there is some some uh, give and take on that. Uh, the show is known for its recurring sketches, uh, such as Barth's Burgers, The Prevert Family, uh, Benedict Arnold School, Nasty's Dungeon, Firing Squad, Locker Jokes, and Opposite Sketch. Uh, the show is perhaps most well known for introducing, of course, slime to the first kids network. Uh, and there is actually a um, two really, really good sources if you want to know more about the creation of slime, because it, it never it never baffles me that there are some Nick historians like you and I. Yeah. And then there's also quite a few people who have some uh, a love for Nickelodeon and they, they learn quite a bit, but not not deep dives. And those people have a very good sense of what slime was made out of and the history of making it and things like that but there's still quite a few people who would get on social media and ask what was it made out of uh and it's probably the most common question that you get with you can't do that on television which we'll we'll get into a little bit later but two good sources uh one is the book slimed by matthew clickstein 
who I believe you also had the opportunity to interview. Yeah, I was actually the first person who ever interviewed him years before the book came out. This was this was this was like way back when he was writing his articles on Vulture on a segment called Split Siders, where he was interviewing all of the people who had worked on Nickelodeon shows from the 80s to the early 90s, because that was his cutoff point. It was all the way back into the early times of when Nickelodeon was known as, um, you know, the Cube in Columbus, Ohio. Then event then eventually they would go off and create shows like Pinwheel and uh, America's Goes Bananas and uh, various other shows right before they would be known for You Can't Do That on Television and Double Dare. So they interviewed a lot of people from You Can't Do That on Television, Double Dare, Hey Dude, Welcome Freshman. And the latest show that they did cut off at that point was, I believe, maybe the three original Nicktoons. I know that Keenan Thompson was also brought in for interviews as well, but he didn't talk about all that. I think that the three original Nicktoons and Clarissa Explains It All and Pete and Pete were like the latest that it covers throughout that um, that book. But yeah, he did um, interview a lot of people who worked on the show and answered a lot of questions. And this was like probably like around that time in which nobody really knew about the behind the scenes stories on all of these programs and he was able to write all of these in-depth articles getting interviews asking questions and i thought and this was back around 2011 2012 when i was doing my uh, nickelodeon retrospective and i wanted to get a hold of matthew about him writing all of these stories and then he made the announcement that he was going to write a book and then i messaged him we talked for a little bit and then after about a year later in 2013 that was when the book was released and then there was the massive uh slimed book event that was held at the and uh, the 92nd y in new york city and yeah that was a really great experience and you know matthew still keeps busy to this day with writing a whole bunch of other books he just released a book on comic-con and yeah, I think that um, getting to see his perspective on trying to gather all the information for a whole bunch of people who were fans of these shows was really commendable, especially at that point in time, there was very little information about these shows. I mean, you had Retro Junk and you had various other websites, but they just like gave you like the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. It's like, the, the, do you remember this commercial? And it would be just the commercial. That's really all they really had. Yeah, it's, it's like this show came out out in 1980 whatever and it featured these people and and then the only thing that you would see in the comments is like oh yeah i grew up with this show but not really much afterwards you know <laughs> i remember my brother was completely enamored with retro junk and uh, would show it to me and i was like yeah that's cool i i want more can 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 is there like a whole blocks of snick on here outside of just a snick commercial it's like well, what is snick oh okay but um, yes, uh, Matthew Klickstein's Slimed is an excellent source for the in for the history of the pretty much the Orange Years. Uh, and yes, of course, you do have the Orange Years documentary, which is also fantastic. And I also did interview the guys who worked yes, on it did. too. Yep, uh, I had both of them on when the Kickstarter was starting, and mm. then when the Kickstarter happened, and then they were just promoting the movie. That was when I had 
uh, the guys involved with it and Alicia Reyes from all that who was working as an executive producer. I interviewed about that. And then there was also um, an unboxing video that I did because I actually did give money to the Kickstarter and I showed off things like, oh, I had a poster and I have... Um, I have the DVD, so that was also pretty cool. And um, I didn't even ask for this. I didn't even pay for this, but they actually put my name in the special thanks on the credits. And oh, I was that's like, awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, that was actually one of the incentives that I never paid for, which is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, thank you, guys. I, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> kind of funny because it turns out that I actually did pay. I think I did pay for some additional things for the uh, happy happy joy joy documentary that i also helped um you know promote because i had uh, the two people who were working on it and um i got the dvd for it as well and i got some other little trinkets so that was pretty cool i think that there's still one that is missing that i still haven't received yet um i'm still waiting on that if you guys are listening so yeah <laughs> it was um it was actually a really great experience during that um, early to mid 2010s time period in which people were really looking into like exposing more of the story of these shows that we grew up with because there was not a lot of stuff out there. So I think that that's pretty neat that in today's society, we're able to have all of these trinkets of information that we can be able to get the full context on how they were able to come into fruition. Yes, absolutely. And I love the fact that there's so many people behind the scenes that make this stuff. Yeah. And I've learned that if you go after the, the big heavy hitters at first, they're, they're still busy. I mean, Keenan and Kel are still super, super busy, but yep. they're just one tiny, tiny piece of what made Nickelodeon special. If you start going after writers and producers and some of the supporting cast members, they are going to jump in and be far more willing to talk and uh, because, you know, I, that's part of my life. I get to talk about I'm, I I get to be in the spotlight for a minute. And, uh, and that's part of what makes these things so special. So definitely, uh, if you've not seen the Orange Years, if you have not read Slime, to go check both of those out. And uh, Mark Summers also did a YouTube video where he was talking about the history of Slime. And it's uh, a few minutes long. I, I'll, I'll put a little bit of that here for you guys. But it actually started on a show called You Can't Do That on Television. What happened was if you said the words, I don't know, you would get slimed. And you know, it's weird, slime is hot again. And there's all these recipes online that have nothing to do with what we used as real slime. It started off as vanilla pudding, applesauce, green food coloring, and a little oatmeal. And, and that was our slime. And the consistency of that was far better than the stuff that I see today. I don't know what it is. But for this particular episode, the holidays episode some of the specs are that it aired on january 1st 1985 this is episode 66 or season 5 episode 14 it was written by roger price jeffrey darby and dean cushman and was directed by brenda mason and again we had mentioned before that it's very very much a quick constant sketch change and and punchline after punchline after punchline with a very, very thin uh, theming device that goes all the way through. So obviously with this being holidays, this came after the big three. Uh, they had one that was a uh, Halloween special, one that was a Christmas special, and then this one, which was just holidays, and it covered the other ones that Halloween and Christmas didn't. Well, there's still a little bit of both in this episode, but it's, it's very, very little. Um, so with that being said... 
I think what we'll do is we'll just flip-flop back and forth, if you don't mind, and we'll talk about the different sketches. Um, we'll talk about the... Because there, there's different segments. And then we'll just go through each one. So uh, for the first set of sketches, uh, we have Barth's Burgers. And I think there was about three of them. Uh, the first one was uh, the, the holiday special burger and it was the turkey burger in which barth is super proud of these new turkey burgers that he made complete with feathers because uh, they're turkey burgers because turkeys turkey. have feathers yeah 100 turkey <laughs> uh the next one was the holiday burgers and this one he had groundhog day burgers with a reference to the the shadow that the burger is casting and uh, the last one was uh, St. Patrick's Day Burger, in which the hamburgers are green since he left them rot for a few weeks to make them festive. Uh, Barth spears the burger, revealing that there's also a small snake under the bun. Yes. And uh, what I remember uh, watching the, the show as a kid and getting to this segment and just getting really, really grossed out. Uh, I I think I got more grossed out with just the concept of really nasty, poorly cooked food more than I did on anything on Ren and Stimpy. Mm. But I think that's because this was real. Uh, I know the props. I know they're 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 fake stuff now as an adult, but as a kid, I knew cartoons were just drawings. This was real to me, and I got really grossed out by these segments. Yeah. But what 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 are your thoughts on Barth's Burgers? Yeah, this is definitely one of the more iconic skits that everybody remembers. But it's essentially like uh, the same joke where you have this guy who is constantly making these disgusting burgers. And for some reason, they just come to this restaurant and they're so surprised <laughs> that the burgers that they get is gross. And of course, you have that catchphrase, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, I think that for the most part, it does. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, pre good burger, uh, as like I like to think of it, where you, it takes place in a burger place, and a lot of people are just so, so surprised that it's just so bad of quality of food, but yet they keep going into it anyway. And you have this, you know, schlubby guy who's just covered in grease and completely dirty. The back kitchen is filled with smoke all the time, assuming that the burgers are being burned at this point. So, yeah, I would say that once you get the joke, it just keeps repeating over and over again. Mm. But, you know, for some reason, it was one of the more reoccurring jokes, and you can't do that on television, that they just stuck with. Yeah. I also noticed uh, after watching this a second time, because I had to... Uh, I was getting... Well, I'll, I'll get to that later. But upon second viewing of this episode, I noticed on the back of his hand he had a sore on his hand, and he had band-aids go across in an X. And I was like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, clearly you would wear gloves so that you wouldn't worry about putting blood or pus or anything of the sorts in your customer's food. <laughs> Imagine that. No, no. <laughs> Do you want to uh, take over the uh, the prevert home segments? Sure. So the prevert home segments, we have 
actually a couple of them so it starts off with dougie's egg laying easter bunny so you have this little <laughs> cute white rabbit and you have essentially the whole joke is about oh easter bunnies can't lay eggs and then no they actually can lay eggs because they picked up the bunny and it, the eggs are starting to drop and you have you know eggs all over the bed so that's and they, the joke and they were easter eggs they were already yes. painted and everything and they, yes. they even made the joke to, but it's still wet don't, don't pick it up and run away with it yeah they still wet with paint yes and then we have uh, dougie and lance hunting groundhogs for groundhog day dinner because i mean you have you have to have a, a joke where oh we, we don't want to repeat the same joke of groundhog's day where they're trying to find out if the groundhog has his shadow or not have his shadow so it's like okay uh instead of hunting turkeys for thanksgiving we're just gonna hunt groundhogs for groundhog day Let, let's let's do that sure <laughs> Uh, the next one is um, Mother's Day. This is the Mother's Day skit where we have um, everyone sitting around making a mess while Val is attempting to clean the relentless food being thrown on the floor. The kids assure that Mother's Day is coming and Lance should uh, get started on cooking her Mother's Day cake. So, yeah, you have essentially like uh, the two kids who are just constantly throwing popcorn and you have the the dad who's just sitting there and he's just you know just basically saying oh i'm gonna make you the cake for mother's day so mother's overworked she's exhausted and yeah i mean it's playing off the the joke is like you know the mother all she does is just cooking clean and the kids are just making a mess because oh um that's what the mothers do so there's that uh, then the next one is that uh, Dougie finds out that uh, his dad is santa and val now understands why there's so many reindeer in the garage my goodness. Quick. It's such a quick one. Dougie, whatever is the matter, dear? I just found out it's really Dad who's Santa Claus. No. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered why he keeps all those reindeer in the garage. Yeah, that is a really quick one, but it's actually one of the more effective uh, jokes that mm -hmm. they featured in this skit. So, yeah, I, I guess at some point for some kids, it's like, you know, you realize that sometimes your dad would be dressing up as Santa or somebody else would be dressing up as Santa or, you know, eventually you get the talk. If, if you were one of those kids who was told mm -hmm. that a Santa Claus exists. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is that uh, Val is on holiday for Thanksgiving with a massive feast that consists of a cucumber sandwich. So once again, I guess it kind of like is returning to the Mother's Day skit in which like she's just so fed up with taking care of her lazy family that she decides to give herself a holiday by just preparing just only a simple cucumber sandwich while the family is left to fend for themselves. They all leave to go to Barth's for groundhog burgers. Yes, and that actually does follow in with the with the Barth's burger skit that we just talked about. So mm -hmm. nice way to loop that around. I hear that Barth's is a pretty good deal on groundhog. Groundhog. Hey, let's go. Uh, Vanessa questions about Lance's Easter bunny outfit. So. Oh gosh. Barth, that's an order. That one is that was a really shock shocker one for me because it's like okay you think Easter Bunny and now in the nineteen eighties you would think about like those creepy Easter Bunny costumes I actually I actually do have one of my sister and I oh, we must have been like six or seven at this point in time where we actually do have like a Polaroid picture of us next to an Easter Bunny and looking at the Easter Bunny it is definitely frightening and I was thinking to myself oh goody we're gonna see a frightening Easter Bunny costume but no it's the other Easter Bunny costume uh -huh. <laughs> yes 
uh, th- think like French maid outfit, just with bunny ears and a tail, on on less lie. It's not an image that I want in my brain. <laughs> Hugh Hefner is not going to call him. That's for sure. No, 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 he is not. <laughs> All right, so the next one is uh, Lisa asks Val, how long does it take to stuff a turkey? She answers, depends on the turkey. Don't encourage your mother. Lance mumbles through a mouthful of food. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I get the joke. It's like, he's the turkey. Yeah, that's the joke. Okay, so the next one is uh, Alistair brings in a giant red sack. Clearly somebody's inside it. Val tells him not to drag his things through the house. And if he keeps this attitude, Santa will not visit. It's actually Santa inside of the sack. Val tells um, Alistair that, uh, you know, there's not going to be any boys and girls that are going to get other presents for Christmas. And then he just says that Main Street has hundreds of Santas ringing bells, and he only just took one of the Santas. What happens if he would have taken the real Santa? (laughs) It's like, I have Santa to myself. I have all the gifts, and, you know, it's, it's... if, if he doesn't give it to me, I'm not going to let him go back to the North Pole. Yeah, wonderful. He, Alistair's taking Santa hostage. <laughs> Screw the kids. We'll catch Santa in a trap and make him tell us if he's good or bad. And I love the fact that after... It, it, this one actually does me giggle a little bit, but uh, the thing that gets me at the end is how Val is just so nonchalant about this. Oh, there's, there's others? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and this lets yeah, him yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah, never mind the fact that your son is a kidnapper. Nah, it's okay. It's That's all right. Yeah, so, yeah. That's that's the that's the least of our worries in this house. I've got a yeah. husband in a bunny outfit. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My goodness. All right, next one. Okay, so the next one is uh Lance gives Alistair choice for Labor Day. So yeah, I, I mean Labor Day is usually the time off where people who are working out there can be able to finally just have the time to relax. But you know, with him he tells his son, do all these chores because I'm the one celebrating Labor Day. You're the kid. You go out there and do the chores. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like kids have other responsibilities like homework or having to deal with maybe a kid has a paper route. I mean, this is the 80s after all. I'm sure yes. they, they probably had some of those things. They did. Or maybe they have to go to an after school club. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that uh, when it comes to, like, kids' responsibilities, I mean, it's it, it gets a little bit undermined at times, especially since when you compare it to adults who are, like, working a 9-to-5 job where sometimes it gets really strenuous. I gotta get to bed. Brush my teeth, feed the hog, still got some homework to do, do the laundry, wash the car, still got those bills to pay. Uh, let's see, next one. Uh, Lance has eggy Easter ties. So it's basically that uh, Alistair sees that there is an egg on um, Les's tie, and it's all covered in eggs. That's, yeah, that's the best joke. I get it. Okay, Val spends two hours dressing the turkey. Alistair asks, doesn't Dad know how to dress himself? He Lance comes out dressed as, wait for it, a turkey. He's the turkey. <laughs> He's so dressing st- as a turkey, yeah. It's so stupid. It is. It is really stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. So yeah, he, he literally comes out with <coughs> wings, and he has the shirt, and he, it's stuffed. He's the turkey. Why was he dressed as the turkey? Uh, because they're trying to follow the joke about, like, stuffing the turkey. 
So, yeah, that's the joke. Next one, New Year's Eve. Lance, uh, Lance drinks too much at New Year's Eve. As a result, his resolution is to give up drinking. But then again, no one is expecting to keep their resolutions all year. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to New Year's, that's always the joke. I have a New Year's resolution. I'm not going to follow it within, the like, the first day. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So, yeah, that is pretty much all the the Privet family skits. Pretty inconsistent. Some of them are clearly better than others. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's a pretty standard for most. Uh, you can't do that on television episodes. Um, the the thing about the Prevert family segments, and I believe it was Jeffrey Darby who had said this, but whatever they were creating these sketches, they were intentionally trying to make the family be as awful as awful as possible especially to their towards their kids because at the time nickelodeon was doing all these big good for you programs that uh would show these kids doing absolutely fantastic wonderful things and then kids didn't want to watch those because it made them feel inferior so now they went more with okay well what do you want to see and they started uh, asking really kids what they want and things that would mm -hmm. make them laugh and you know gross things would make them laugh you know that's we're, we're kids and uh the idea for this segment was instead of making them instead of showing all these wonderful things that kids should try to aspire to let's go the opposite route and make it as awful as possible so now that whenever kids are watching this they're going well my my family sucks but my family's not that family and they can actually enjoy the misery you know very much the way that I, my father would watch Married with Children like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not Al Bundy. It's the most miserable you can make a child without it crossing that 80s line, which is a very, very hard line to cross. <laughs> not to mention that it's also Canadian, so they were able to take yes. a lot more risks on TV than Americans. Yes. Like, we even still to this day, like, certain standards um, and certain ideologies and certain discussions about either politics or religion or family or even, like, certain representation of people. Um, like, today, it's a lot more showcased, but back then, it was a lot more under the radar like yeah. you know various shows like you can't do that in television were able to take a lot more risks because they mm -hmm. were able to have a lot more creative freedom to discuss about that kind of stuff they weren't as rigid compared to a lot of american television i mean especially 80s american television where i mean you had like the get along gang and you had various other shows that were supposed to be like squeaky clean and family friendly and um, oh, we don't want to scare the kids and we don't want to be able to have um, any questions that we don't want to answer. So, yeah, let's just show all this kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, I would say that, you know, the, the, a lot of the stuff that they were able to show on You Can't Do That on Television was definitely like a little bit more risque than compared to what um, it was back then for a lot of uh, 80s television series. Well, I want to take a minute and actually talk about less life for a minute uh because in a way he's kind of the unofficial face of you can't do that on television because i mean outside of the fact that his face is on the actual title card right but i think we see him more than we see any other actor performer in the show he's I in mean, pretty much almost every single skit yes uh, and he's in there more than uh, abby is 
uh, who played the the mother or in many many of the many of the segments. What are your thoughts on Les Lye as a performer? I think that he's varied. I love the way that he's able to become from a grouchy guy to somebody who's bumbling and dumb to somebody who is very gullible to somebody who's very responsible. So I'm loving the fact that he's able to switch in between all of these different parts and at the same time is able to play it off pretty convincingly, especially since this is a sketch comedy show and it's a very small cast. Like... I would say that with all that, for example, you have like a cast members and then you have maybe the occasional adult here and there, whether it be with Kevin Coppola or Dan Schneider. But for the most part, you know, the kids will be the stars. But in this mm -hmm. case, it's akin to like the, you know, roundhouse in which you get like the dad character and then you get like the occasional kids who would do various skits. But he's in almost every single one of them. And sure, you know, you have the bumbling dad and then you have Barth and then you have the producer and various other characters. So he's able to play off with every single one of those roles. And the fact that they were very limited to what they were able to accomplish with cast and budget and various skits, I think that he's a very essential part in a You Can't Do That on Television. Mm -hmm. Fully agreed. And from what I have, going back to Slimed, I think it was Alistair who had said during filming Les was one of those people who he would cut up. He would cut up with the kids, uh, tell some jokes that an adult probably shouldn't tell a, a kid, but still did. Mm -hmm. But it, it, he was one of those. He was tough to break. Yeah. Uh, he would be in character and, he, and he'd nail it every time. But every once in a while, one of the other kids would say something or do something that would just make him completely break character and break and laugh. And anytime that happened, it was it was like a, a ruby in a crown. They, 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 it was so special when it happened to them. It was it it was a highlight for weeks because it, it happened so rarely. Um, also something else that I just because it's less, I don't know where I'm going to get to talk about this again. They actually got to have uh, less as I think it was as Barth. I think it was Barth the character. Uh, who did one of the Nick takes over your school uh, because he got to take the announcer or not the announcer, the, uh, the intercom from the principal and was talking in the microphone throughout the entire school. Oh, Nickelodeon's taking over your school. And it was, it was fun. I'll see if I can find and play it for you here, but uh, it's pretty cool. Les Lye, Barth of You Can't Do That on Television, then took over as principal and the fun began. Good morning. All of us is our end. Our menu for today will be cold. Excuse me, ma'am. Could you, could you give me a oh my word? With a lot of doing that to a principal. <laughs> is this thing working? Testing one, two, three, four. That set the sound man back about a week. I uh, can you hear me, kids? Yeah, I guess they can. Testing. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? We interrupt our regularly scheduled school announcements and your regularly scheduled school program to bring you a day that will go down in educational history. A day you will never want to forget. You'll never be able to forget. So put down your books, put away your pencils, forget all about your spelling tests and homework assignments. Don't even worry if you're writing uh, 
something to your girlfriend, or, or maybe you're wearing two different colored socks, or if your underwear's on backwards, or if you're wearing two different sets of underwear and your socks are on backwards. That doesn't sound... Anyway, it's time for Nickelodeon to take over Selwyn Elementary School as Nick takes over Selwyn. I guess at that point in time, you can't do that on, you can't do that on television. Would have still been having mm -hmm. its reruns. So I take it that kids at that point in time would have actually known about Barth, as opposed to like, oh, you know, this show that came out in the '80s and Nick takes over your school would have been like in the early '90s. So it would have been like a weird reference. So yeah. that's like the equivalent of you know Nick takes over your school in the year 2001 and you have a Wienerville joke. Yes, yes, not gonna happen. No, no, definitely not. Well, moving along with the next segment, uh, we had the actors segments. Ah, uh, yes. And for this one, uh, we have Christine, Lisa, and the rest of the actors are asking Russ for an actor's holiday. Uh, he says that they're not actors, so they can't get a holiday. But when the kids disagree, Ross comments that if they were actors, they'd pay their union dues. Like, that's wait not relevant in the slightest. No, wait a minute, you guys haven't paid your dues. And then starts <laughs> to ask for money, and then they all run away. And yeah, and and yes, it's that joke would have completely gone over my head as a kid. And, and it, I know it did. But uh, now watching it today, and as of, as of the time of this recording, this is, this is going to date it a little bit, but they, they have officially ended the, the writer's strike. <clears throat> but... Uh, that's that's still exceedingly relevant. I mean, that's been going on for it's been going on since the 80s and, and before then. And it still happens. Yeah, it still happens. And especially for children, like uh, imagine all the stuff that children have to go through and all the strict child labor laws of working certain periods of time, having to not go to school because they're in the middle of acting, being properly compensated having the risk of the money being taken away from you. So, yeah, I, I think that this stuff is uh, still pretty relevant, especially in these day and ages where, you know, union laws are much more tighter now and jobs are at a major risk of being taken away due to artificial intelligence. So, yeah, I I'm glad that a show like this that came out in the 80s is able to bring up something that is still relevant uh, decades later. And And they had no clue. <laughs> they, no one had any clue that it would still, after 30 years, be something that is just as, if not more relevant than they ever would have imagined. No, I don't, I don't think that they would have even considered thinking of that at all. Uh, the, the next one, which was very, very brief, was uh, Vanessa says that Lisa, which uh, Vanessa was telling Christine or Moose that she thinks Lisa, Lisa is dating a turkey, which she was leading around on the leash like a, like a dog. Uh, later, Ross asks Christine, what is the big holiday in April that we celebrate what used to be the Roman New Year? He promises that she, because this is a holiday special, this she gets the holiday off for being slimed. And Christine admits she doesn't know, and of course, she gets slimed. What is it? Uh, April Fool's Day. Probably the best April, the only April Fool's Day joke, but the best one of the episode. Yeah, I mean, especially since we get to see the slime again. It's the iconography of You Can't Do It on Television that people mm. still remember. 
And it's the only time in the episode that there is slime. Yeah. So there you go. And it usually happens about typically happens once an episode. There are there are some exceptions, but most of the time it's it's a one shot and sometimes not even at all. Uh, next one was Ducky's Christmas Club. Uh, he's wanting to be a part of the Christmas Club. And Christine is like, I think that's for saving money. And then at the end of the year, whenever it's Christmas time, you can go take this money that you've been saving up. That's not what Ducky wants. He, he's got a giant club. And he's going to tell Santa what he wants. And if he doesn't get it, he's just going to club Santa with the <laughs> and yes. get what he wants anyway. Yeah, first we have kidnapping, and now we have assault. That's just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Santa. Bang. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, the, the standard locker jokes. And for those of you, if you've not seen this, I'm sure you, like uh, Patricia was saying the earlier. The robot chicken probably, skit, yeah. You've probably seen at least the idea of it. It's just the kids all in the lockers. They open the doors. And two of them would come out and, and give some kind of a, a one punchline joke. Uh, like, for example, one of them was, why is Thanksgiving called Thanksgiving? Well, because we give thanks to the bountiful harvest. Well, why do we call it Labor Day? Because we celebrate the working person. Well, why do we call it Good Friday? Because we get a day off of school and that's good. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. So you have two people. They say a joke. They ask why get a punchline next two people come out same thing rinse and repeat and very similar to barth's burgers the locker jokes are definitely one of the more iconic sketches and you can't do that on television and i don't think they, they these were never recorded in front of a live audience so no. you don't have the laugh, laugh track, track in the back which could make this really really fun uh if you play some and add either a laugh or crickets That'd be that'd be actually pretty cool. <laughs> and I think the crickets would be even funnier. Yeah. Yeah, Alistair. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas time. Cause you get lots of presents. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. But my favorite holiday is the summer holiday. Why? Cause it's the longest. You know, my favorite holiday is my birthday. Vanessa, that's not exactly a holiday. We don't all celebrate your birthday. Yes, we do. My birthday's on July fourth. What's your favorite holiday? Valentine's Day. Ooh, Valentine's Day. Do you get lots of chocolates? Well, no, but every Valentine's Day, I give Lisa a big heart-shaped box of chocolates with creamy centers. And... <laughs> yeah, and then what? Well, then I watch her squirm when I tell her she's on a diet and she can't eat any. But the, the thing I liked about this one, though, was how it ended. Because Lisa opens the locker and just stares blankly at the camera and then it cuts to the next one. There, yeah, there's... because they were talking about like, hey, did you hear the news about Lisa dating yes. a turkey? And then she's like looking at the camera and she's probably thinking to herself line! And then it's like, cut! We're done! Print it! This is good. We're good. Next skit. Great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ross discusses symbols for the holidays and states that the handkerchief is the symbol for income tax day but when he is told that income tax day is not a holiday ross ross replies you're telling me and cries into his hanky <laughs> except that tax day technically does have a date it's april 15th which mm -hmm. is the day that you are supposed to pay your taxes yeah. it's not a national holiday where you take the day off sure but it is technically a holiday 
I don't know how it is in Canada. I mean, let me know in the comments, but um, there is a specific date when you have to pay your taxes. Yes. Although, though, I mean, it is true that there is no iconography of tax day compared to, like, when you think of Christmas, there's a tree. When you think of Thanksgiving, you see a turkey or something like that. So I guess it kind of makes sense. There's no symbol of tax day. I mean, I guess a handkerchief would make a lot of sense if you're going to be crying. I would think maybe, like, I don't know, a bank with dollar bill, stacks of paper. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, when I think of tax day, I think of Milburn penny bags from uh, Monopoly with his pockets <laughs> hanging out. Oh, that's a good one, actually. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a really good one. Uh, Milton Bradley, get on that. <laughs> uh, there's only a few, few of these left. Uh, Dougie does a trick-or-treat and gets a trick in the form of a plain glass of water, which, after pointing out what it is that he had received then gets water completely dumped on his head. This is just a plain glass of water. Yes, that's the second thing that the kids get dumped <clears throat> on, in addition to slime. But yeah, even though that water is definitely a reoccurring thing, very similar to slime, and you can't do that on television, every, everybody always brings up the slime. I mean, there's very little instances and people would actually remember that water was being dumped, unless, you, of course, if you know about the show. Yeah, the the slime is definitely the icon. And there's been a few compilations on Instagram, of, or not Instagram, on YouTube of, of both, um, if uh, they don't get copyright strike before then. Uh, let's Paramount see. Paramount Plus, go watch it. Yes, yes, Paramount Plus. One of the few things that Paramount's done, right? Uh Vanessa celebrates the Chinese New Year, which oh, is boy. which is like having Chinese food. It's I don't understand this skit. It's the only skit that is about Chinese New Year, and there's no joke about Chinese New Year. It's like if you're not gonna make a joke, if you're gonna make a <laughs> if you're gonna make a, a statement on Chinese New Year, say something about Chinese New Year instead of just like having fireworks and then just say, oh, um, I'm just going to wait two hours and then i'm gonna celebrate all over again it's like that's not chinese new year i don't know i mean i'm sure that there would have been something creative that they could have come up with and what chinese food are you eating because every time i eat chinese food i'm done for until the next day i'm i, I can't i'm stuffed yeah I, I mean with chinese new year it's supposed to be a celebration of gathering together with family having a large feast um, you know, giving money to kids as a symbol of good luck. There's a lot of things that they could have played with with Chinese New Year. They could have talked about maybe the different zodiacs, like, oh, you know, it's the year of the tiger, the year of the ox, and you could have made a joke about that. Like, I don't know, give a kid an actual tiger or something. I don't know, but yeah, they just had firecracker, and then they just said Chinese New Year. It's like you could have made this Fourth of July, and, and nothing would have changed. Okay, next. Next, we have uh, the, the kids finally get a holiday, which means now that they they have their own kid holiday and they don't have to go to work, they have to go to school. Uh, and they all quickly are like, no, 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 I'll stay here. Uh, which they actually did. Uh, for any of you who are, are curious, they did actually film these during school hours. Uh, they had to have uh, teachers there on the studio. So whenever they were doing setups for the, sh the shots, they'd go to a, a separate green room or something where the, t the tutor would 
give them all their assignments. Uh, so they still had to go to school. And I think it was it was also Alistair who had said that um, he would film the show. And uh, they were he was asked if going back to school, if any one of his classmates were would watch the show and, and would ask him about it. He's like, not really, not not there, because they, they all know what he's doing and no one really watched. No one really cared where he went to school. Um, but they, they did have to if they weren't filming and they weren't working, they would have to go to school. And that's very much a uh, probably more an inside joke than anything. Yeah, I, I, it's not too much of a surprise because this is a very common thing, even to this day, in which child actors, even after they're done performing a scene in a movie or in a TV show, they would have tutors on the side so that they can be able to catch up with homework and then they would go back and film again. So again, as mentioned before, kids are really undermined when it comes to all the work that they have to put up with. And uh, our last actors segment joke, uh, Lisa is, is the very end of the episode. This is our, our uh, post credit scene. Lisa promises to not say anything for the rest of the show. And Christine is excited and shares the news with Ross. But he busts her bubble by informing that this is, in fact, the last bit of the show. And then it just then it just cuts. It's yeah, done. it just ends. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on these segments? It's. It's very inconsistent. It's hit and miss. Like some of them are so quick that they just like leave out of your mind even after it's gone. And then there's some others that do get a little bit of chuckle worthy. Like some of them are just like shocking. It's like, wow, they went there. And then there were some others that's like, okay, that was actually pretty cute. But yeah, not a consistent package overall. I would say that it's kind of like how a lot of people uh, i've actually seen various comments like this whenever i see podcasts or um i've talked about in on my previous episodes of my podcast where i would talk about like animated variety shows like kablam or uh, oh yeah cartoons or something like that in which people would say i don't watch the entire episode i just watch the shorts separately and i've seen a lot of people say that they do this because by watching the entirety of the episode, if there's like three short, uh, three shorts, or if it's five shorts, or if it's seven shorts, then they'll just say like, yeah, the entire package wasn't all that great, but then there were some that I really liked, and I just like cut off the ones that I didn't like, and I just focus on the ones that I do like. So mm-hmm. um, even with like um, the discussions with my friend Chris uh, from TV Trash, where we talked about the wartime era films from disney where a lot of them were essentially like um little segments because it was during world war ii and they didn't have the uh budget and resources to do like major films like they did back in the the 30s and 40s and so Mm. they did a lot of um you know movies that were essentially like little segments they were like uh diet fantasia so uh, when the Disney Channel was around in the 80s, they would actually take a lot of these segments from all of the films from the wartime era and just showed it individually as opposed to like showing the entire thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if people on You Can't Do That on television would just be more familiar with like, you know, various skits that would be like cut into a few seconds. I mean, these would make mm-hmm. essentially like really great YouTube shorts. Like, okay, you have a few seconds of this little skit about this, and then it goes over to this. I mean, even with like the compilations you were mentioning earlier about like, okay, here's 10 minutes of nothing but slime and water, and that's it. And yeah, I would say that for an episode of You Can't Do That on television, if you watch it as a whole, 
you're gonna find a lot of them is definitely hit and miss but then there's like one or two that are actually pretty decent yeah, there, there's a lot of having to wade through mediocrity with uh, a lot of these jokes but uh there there were some that they did make me smile it did make me chuckle and uh i'm actually gonna ask you this one of of all the performers, is there a couple that you tend to prefer? Yeah, I, I do, actually. I mean, I really do enjoy, um, like, Alistair is definitely a very popular one. So is um, Lisa and definitely Christine, a.k.a. Boos. Those are, like, the top uh, you know, the top actors and actresses that you would think of, you can't do that on television. And they stuck around for several years at that point in time. Um, the other ones, I can take or leave. And as for, like, Abigail, I mean, Abby and Les, I mean, you know, they're they're essentially, like, the only adults in the series, and they play their parts pretty well, so that's fine. But, yeah, I would say, like, those are the main ones that I still remember. Yeah. And uh, Christine slash Moose, she she was my favorite, and she still yeah. is my favorite. She's my favorite, too. Yeah. But uh, in, in outside of the fact that her, she's probably got the best comedic timing, I think, and the best delivery, but another reason why I like her so much is because she actually reminds me of one of the uh, she's no longer a teenager, she's now an adult uh, which is really weird to say but uh, she just went into college but she one of the kids that I used to teach uh, she has hair that's very similar, she's got delivery that's very much like hers and she was just about the only kid that could really make me laugh mm. and uh, I, I, I miss her uh, Emma, you're awesome I miss you but uh, she reminds me a lot of, of Moose. And anytime Christine was on, I was like, all right, I, I'm down. I'm instantly down. And I guess, you know, you have a lot of uh, sketch comedy shows that are essentially that. It's basically like the one who can take the jokes, the one who's the straight person, the one who's able to have a lot of um, varied personalities. And I think that those are the ones that really stack up, whether it be with, um, you know, for, um, you know, with Moose or maybe Lori Beth Denberg or maybe Lisa Boyles, in which, like, they definitely play that straight person, but at the same time, they have their own sense of humor and they're able to take the jokes. They're able to catch up with the punchline. So, yeah, you have those kind of characters that people still remember, absolutely. All right, well, so far, the episode has covered a lot of holidays. But yes. one thing that we always get on television around the holidays is, of course, commercials. So we're going to try and avoid Barth and all of that wonderful home cooking and, and see if we can find some actual good snacks while we take a commercial break to see what else we got going on in this holiday season episode. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You can't do that on television. We'll be back after this. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Splat Attack. If you are enjoying this holiday feast, please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And also, if you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review. These very simple actions on your part have a tremendous impact on our channel. Tune in next time, Slimesters, when we slap on our 10-gallon hats, pick needles out of our behind from that killer cacti, and ride our horses down to the Barnum Ranch to rank the Season 1 episodes of Hey Dude. Which episodes shoot sharper than a gunslinging maverick, and which ones stumble into the hog trough? You can find all the retro action only here on Splat Attack.
Hello everyone, this is Patricia from Old School Lane. If you enjoy our discussions on You Can Do That on Television and other bits of uh, Nickelodeon nostalgia content, then you can check me out on oldschoollane.net. I have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash oldschoollane. Uh, I have various uh, social media outlets, which is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. You can also check out the podcast Old School Lane on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and various other places. New episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then they'll go up in a few days on YouTube. I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of this discussion of You Can't Do That on Television. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Don't forget to head over to Bonfire and check out some of our sweet, sweet merch with various t-shirt designs and coffee mugs. We've got t-shirts of all different sizes, covering several different Nickelodeon shows, as well as some Splat Attack original content. Go to bonfire.com slash store slash Splat Attack store with hyphens in between to represent that 90s swag. Join us over on Patreon. We have live streams that we do twice a month. We have bonus minisodes. And uh, we also have early access and behind-the-scenes looks of many of our episodes that uh, you all haven't had the chance to see, along with some really fun gag reels. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to get access to exclusive episodes. And now, back to You Can't Do That on Television. All right. I thankfully was was prepared and I put some some good food in my locker. So now I've got that out. We've had our snacks. Our bellies are full. We're ready to get back and sit back in the recliner and see what else we got going on for this holiday episode. So, Patricia, tell us about the Benedict Arnold School. All right. So the first skit from the Benedict Arnold School is the gift list. Uh, Christine, a.k.a. Moose, passes out lists to her classmates of Christmas gifts that she won. So... Basically, she is writing down all these gifts. Lisa comes along and asks her about, you know, what is she writing? Turns out that it's a gift uh, list that of everything that she wants her friends to pick up. You even have the two guys just falling and crashing into each other. And, and instead of Moose coming in, it's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? You, you know, did you scrape your knee? Did you, you break something? It's like, here, here's the list, you know, get me something for Christmas. No, no cares whatsoever. I actually had to rewatch that one a couple of times because I couldn't tell if they bumped into each other on accident or if Moose tripped the one that was walking upstage and he fell into the other person because her foot got right out there, which I thought, if that was the case, that's hilarious. I'm going to trip you and then, oh, here, I mean these things. <laughs> I think that's even funnier. <laughs> That would be funny if it was, uh, you know, I wish we would have actually gotten a shot like that. Like we actually got a shot of like, you know, her sticking out her foot and then the kids tripped and then she just stands up and gives it to them. Or maybe they completely f did it by accident. Who knows? But the tripping one, I'm going to say that that's canon. Yes. Moose tripped them on purpose <laughs> so she can give them their Christmas gifts. That's exactly what happens. That, no, no, it's not a list of gifts that I'm going to give to my friends. It's a list of gifts that I want my friends to give me. Oh. And that's yours. Oh. And, you know, two or three things on Oh, Dougie, hey. Oh, oh no, there's well. Great. That's your list? Thanks. And that's your list. Yes. All right. Next one. Uh, Alistair figures that he can get the entire year off of school if he changes his religion 87 times, but quickly regrets his planning when he realizes that he will be in church instead of school. Okay. 
That's a lot of religions to be changing. <laughs> I, I guess it. I guess it's true. It's like you know, I'm Jewish now, so I'm going to take Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah, Lent, Purim. I'm going to take all of that off. Yes. Uh, okay. I. I, I'm, his, I'm I'm Mexican now. I, I'm going to take off um, <laughs> Los Posadas. Um, I'm going to take off... Um, I got Chinese New Year. Yeah, Chinese... There you go, Chinese New Year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, especially since... <laughs> I, I guess if he is going to spend all of his time in church, it's like, oh, I'm going to... I'd rather go to school. Dude, what churches have you been going to? Yeah, that's a good question. What church are you going to that is required for you to go there as opposed to school? Now, if it was a private institution in which the school and the church are intertwined, then that would be a completely different story. Yes. But that's not what they're going for. No. no. But no, I, I, I take it that um, he's just trying to create a loophole. It's like, you know, I am these... I'm following these religions, so I am able to take all of these days off, which, no, you can't do that. All right, so the <laughs> next not, one does is... Does not work. No, does not work. Uh, Alistair gives Lisa a box of Valentine's chocolates with only one left. He says he likes her, but not an entire box worth. Uh, Lisa repays him by sharing the candy with him, and she shares the candy by taking the last piece of chocolate, and it just happens to be soft-shelled, and she squirts it all over his face. It's that, that's one of those quick ones. And, yeah, it's, and it's a very quick one. Yeah, and it's it's genuinely pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah, it works because you have the situation in which you know you expect this really large box of chocolates. It's only one left. He just says, "I ate them all. I like you, but I don't like you that way. That I can give you a whole box of chocolates." And then she just gets the chocolate and then just squirts it in his face. Simple, effective, quick, and it works. So good job. All right, um, we have uh, Mr. Schlittner's class. Uh, he has homework holiday in which all the children celebrate. There's an abrupt shift when they discover that in order to celebrate homework holiday, the students have to gasp, stay in the classroom after school, and complete their homework. No! No! The, have you ever had a holiday where you had to stay after school and do your homework? And, and I'm not counting after school um like classes where you were getting some tutoring or those after school programs in which your mom was not able to pick you up or if you missed the bus and you got to spend time with teachers and several other students who are waiting for rides to go home and you had other activities or just ho did your homework in this spare time i'm not talking about any of those things no i guess uh, homework holiday is a day where you literally have to do homework so yeah great fantastic holiday best <laughs> best holiday that's that's like the equivalent of being on the naughty list <laughs> yes <laughs> okay next one we have a snake eyes busman's holiday i've never heard of that holiday before but okay <laughs> snake eyes busman's holiday in which the driver thinks he will be off for the holiday like the homework holiday he too will have to work but lisa informs that snake eyes is rarely on the road anyway the, the background looks like he's on the road to me. I, yeah, exactly. It's not like he's. It's not like they're driving in the desert or in the ocean. He's that, literally on the road. That that would have been such a great gag, though, uh, because I, I, see now I'm thinking of like the uh, the intro for all the Naked Gun movies, uh, because it always had that cop car right at the very front and center of the screen but they would change everything else so at mm -hmm. first he was the the car was 
on the road, but then later it's on a roller coaster uh, where it is the roller coaster. And then another time it's going through a hospital to, trying to deliver a baby. And then later it's in a pinball machine. Think if you, you did something like that in the background, not even bring attention to it, just have it in the background and the kids just accepting it. I think that would have been great. That would have been hilarious. I would have liked that. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, class on Memorial Day are more focused on getting the day off. And Mr. Scheiders thinks that uh, he can have the time off on holidays, too, only to become frustrated that he had been showing up for work all these years. So, okay, the kids have the holiday, but and the teachers are just sitting there waiting for the students or realizing that the students are not going to come in. And he's just sitting in an empty classroom. That's like a kid thing. It's like... You know, where do the teachers go after school? Do they live in the school? Mm -hmm. Well, this is just emphasizing the stereotype that the teachers live in the school and they don't do anything else other than teach at the school. This is my life. This is my life. This is my home. I have a cot in the back waiting for you guys to get here so I can have my day ruined by your presence. Being a principal's great because I hate children. I bark and they do what I say. Anything. Crawl around on all fours. They do that. Would you mind uh, jumping out of the window? Okay, sure, Mr. Principal. Out they go. Anything. Yeah, and it's Memorial Day. Not to be confused with Memorial Day. We have a day dedicated to mammals. <laughs> I don't I don't get that. Why the misspelling and then just, oh, yeah, we're going to be gone. I mean, the, the, these. it's like the... The, the Chinese New Year joke. It's it's two aspects that don't don't line up well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why Memorial Day is not even a real holiday, first and foremost. I mean, they did make up the other holidays, like you know, uh, hol uh, you know, homework holiday and the Snake Eyes Bushman holidays. But I mean, that did make sense within the context of the story. But this one is just like you could have had any holiday and it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, like, is this a celebration of mammals? I, I, or maybe that the person was named Memorial and we're celebrating him or her? I don't know. See, I, I thought at first the joke was going to be because it, it's Memorial Day, but he he spelled it incorrectly. The rest of them would be trying to explain what Memorial Day is, but they mm -hmm. say it wrong, and they actually describe another holiday, and then somebody else says, no, no, that's not it. It's this holiday, but they mispronounce that too, and yeah. then someone, and then it just goes in a circle. No, that's the that's the holiday where you, you, you light all eight candles. Like, no, that's not it. That's that's Kwanzaa, you know, something completely wrong. It's like, yeah. no. No, that's, that's not that holiday. That's your birthday. Yes. No, that's not the the holiday. It's your retirement day. Yes. So yeah, I I, I yeah I think they they fumbled on that one. They did. Okay. Next, uh, Lisa's New Year's resolution. She's giving them up for Lent. Again, going into the same joke about like, oh, New Year's resolutions. I can't stick with them for more than a day. Yeah, and and that's uh, that's definitely a recurring theme. Ha ha ha! With this episode, is we get the same joke told in different format on uh, a few occasions, like the holidays. Uh, I have this holiday. I get the day off. Wait, I don't. Uh, that one we get a lot. The New Year's resolution we get a lot. Uh, the, it's just a, a yeah. Constant... I mean, there, there's a there's one off holidays. You have one Mother Day skip. You have one Chinese New Year, and then you have a few other ones that are made up. But a lot of them is Thanksgiving, 
Valentine's Day, you had, um, you know, maybe um, Halloween, you have Christmas. But yeah, they're all like sprinkled in every once in a while. And uh, we, we have two, actually I have just a few segments left and that's all, pretty much all we got. Uh, we have one Nasty's Dungeon. Uh, in which Alistair is in the dungeon for Thanksgiving, and he struggles with coming up with anything to be thankful for, but when he's informed that he was going to be let out for the day, but since he can't think of things to be thankful for, and he's left, and now Alistair all of a sudden quickly changes his attitude and starts trying to find things to be thankful for with the uh, with the intent that he gets he gets to uh, be let out of this dungeon for a day, and nope, nope, no. nope, denied. No. No, pretty much. I mean, again, very similar to a lot of uh, traits that you would expect to see in a lot of holidays. That's one of them. What are you thankful for in Thanksgiving? I can't think uh, of anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, come on. Come on. Are you thankful for breathing? No. <laughs> <laughs> are you thankful that you have a roof over your head? I yeah. have a roof over my head? <laughs> uh, not not in the prevert's home. Yeah. There's probably a hole there, too. Yeah, I, I guess um, the, the, the Helga Pataki line would probably be perfect. I am thankful for absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, and then we have the firing squad. Uh, it's almost, <clears throat> almost the same joke, only in reverse order. Uh, Alistair and the firing squad on Veterans Day, and Alistair convinces that the military is, should be able to leave because it's the holiday, which they leave. Which means he gets to leave because he doesn't get to stay on the on the post. And he's like, okay, see you tomorrow. I guess it makes a lot of sense because it is Veterans Day where you celebrate the soldiers who have lived. So they do deserve the holiday. So that does make sense in context. Yes. And, and I actually think that one's got a pretty decent uh, setup. I think the, the punchline just needs a little something. But overall, it's a pretty, pretty good joke. Um, I... How do you think jokes like these two would work today? Do you, do you think they could still work them out? Not necessarily in kids shows, but just in comedy shows, uh, mainstream comedy shows now. Do you think that these would still be acceptable? Hmm. I mean, I have seen various skits where people are in jail, but not in a dungeon or mm -hmm. in a firing squad. So... That's a little bit tough. I mean, unless, of course, if it's in the proper context mm -hmm. that you can make a joke about it. But I would say that out of the blue, it's kind of hard, especially since a lot of people are saying that, oh, you know, today's um, entertainment is all PC and we can't do any of this stuff because we don't want to offend anybody. But yeah. again, I think that in the proper context and if done tastefully, then it could be a possibility. Yeah. And I don't know. I can see in its Prime, I could see shows like Family Guy getting away with jokes like these. I'm sure they've done jokes like this a billion times, and I'm sure there's somewhere. I, mean, I, I know Robot Chicken's got jokes. I'm sure there's a you. Oh yeah, do that Robot Chicken has done several jokes like this. But uh, but that being said, I think we only have really one more uh, segment. Uh, tell tell us about the opposites. Okay, so the opposites is essentially that where. You get to see the reactions and the statements from everybody, except that it's told 
in opposite direction. So uh, in this one, Alistair gives up things he doesn't like for Lentz as the opposites intro. The rest of the opposite skits are as follows. So in, um, he says that, um, you know, I'm going to give up piano lessons. I'm going to give up candy. I'm going to give up um, all of these things. And then Moose is like, no, you're supposed to give up things that you like. And he's like, yeah, I do like all those things. I like homework. I like candy. I like piano lessons. <laughs> so again, it's the opposite of what you expect. Because in Lent, you're supposed to be giving up these things of, that you really, really like. And the stuff that he's telling that he really, really likes is the opposite of what you would expect to hear. So that's the joke. Okay, so the other opposite skits. Uh, Dougie is sad that his dad is Santa and not a regular dad pretending. So again, we're going into the whole complete opposite in which you would expect that he would be upset that his dad is Santa and he's just the dad but no he's actually upset that the dad is santa and not a regular dan pretending to be santa he's actually upset that his dad is really santa gosh that reminds me i gotta see if i can find it there was an old 80s uh public service announcement commercial where there was this kid lying in the bed and dad is standing in the room and he's got this like box a cigar, cigar box full of drugs. You're like, is oh this yeah, yours? I, I know, I know exactly about what you're talking about. And he's like asking him, like, who taught you to do these yes. drugs? You, okay? I learned it from watching you. And so, then the punchline is like, kids are doing drugs because they see their parents doing drugs. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yours. No, I mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must have what? Look, Dad, it's Where not. Where did you get it? Dad, Answer I... me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. Did you see the Star Wars parody of this? Yes, I did. The smoking one. Because uh, <laughs> I saw one with Darth Vader. Where, oh, okay. Uh, where Darth Vader is standing, uh, in in front of this kid's bed, same same setup, same layout, but the box has lightsaber parts all in it. Mm -hmm. He goes, "Is this yours?" And I mean, the same lines and everything. This yours. No, no, I, I just... Your mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One, one of the guys must have... Must have what? Look, Dad, it's not mine. Where did you get it? Dad, it's... Answer me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You all right? I learned it by watching you. Dark Sith Lords who use lightsabers have children who use lightsabers. Brought to you by the Jedi Council for a safer galaxy. Oh, my God. Moving on! <laughs> Doctor tends to Alistair free of charge on the holidays. He breaks the fourth wall and declares that all of the opposite sketches he's been in, this is the most ridiculous one. Um, okay, so why I guess again this is the opposite. It's like, oh, out of all of the skits, this is the most ridiculous one, even though it's just straightforward. It's like he's a doctor, he goes into the house, he helps a kid out free of charge. And yeah. It, that's it. That's the joke. It's literally just that quick of a joke. And, you know, of course it's free of charge, I guess maybe because they're trying to make a joke about the fact that, hey, you know, they have the national health care, they have free health care. So they well, could just be the, able to... 
I think the the idea there was he did a house call, uh, and he did a house call on a holiday. So of course there's no charge because it's a holiday. Because it don't matter if it's a house call for a doctor, it's going to be a, a lot. It's going to be expensive, and then just go straight into Groucho Marx with the complete with the cigar and the mustache and the glasses, which you don't notice because it was actually kind of subtle. Because it is because it's not like puffy eyebrows mm-hmm. and it's not like the round glasses and the big old cigar yeah it's i mean it's just basically like, like a line that sounds akin to something like a groucho marx line yeah yeah and and the, the makeup job they did for less for this looks very similar to some of the other makeup costumes that he's had mm-hmm. but whenever he looks at the audience he does the cigar thing and actually does the eyebrows a little bit of all the ones uh, all the sketches so far this is the most ridiculous I've seen a lot of opposite sketches, but this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What experience have you had in a department store? I was a shoplifter for three years. So he yeah. does it very Groucho Marx, but um, I don't think that's the most ridiculous one, though. No, it's not even close. <laughs> no. All right, so the next one. Uh, Dougie and Vanessa hate the holidays and beg Valerie to go to the store. Again, going into the complete opposite where, you know, they're talking about like, oh, man, going to the beach and going to the arcade is boring. And we have Valerie coming in and say, hey, who wants to go to the store? It's like, I want to go to the store. Yeah, I, I mean, you remember those days in which your mom had to take you to a grocery store or to a clothing store and all you wanted to do was go to the toy store? And that, was, that was my favorite days. I used to love that. I used to sit under the under the cart, under the shopping cart and on the where the sodas go and I'd just look up and poke my fingers through the little grates and it was oh, my favorite. Nice. It was that's my favorite. Nice. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah. I remember I remember that my sister and I would have a contest of uh, whenever that we would go to a grocery store. Uh I don't know if you had this in your grocery stores, but they used to have like these um uh little dispensers of coupons. And yes. We, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We would try to grab as much coupons as we could, and then when our mom was ready to go to the checkout. We would hand her all the coupons that we would have, and we would see about like who was able to grab the most coupons. The thing I remember from the grocery store, uh, which is is now an absolutely forgotten thing, but I remember when grocery stores used to have VHS that you could rent. Uh, because before the days of Blockbuster, there were just a bunch of locally owned uh, movie rental places. And grocery stores had them, too. And I, I mom would be at the checkout, and I'd say, hey, can I go look at the movies? Yeah, sure. I never got to check one out from the grocery store, but I was always able to go look. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Uh, Ross and the actors working on the holiday. Ross says that the kids deserve extra pay, but because it's the opposite sketch... Now the kids need to pay him. So this is where the segment of the opposites are over. So at first we have Ross asking the kids for money. And then finally we have the skit in which Ross gives the kids extra pay. But then it's the opposite skits over. And now they have to pay him the money. And yeah, that's all the skits that we saw in this episode. I would say that this these particular segments are very much in line with some of the others where it's a mixed bag but i actually think these the opposite sketch segment overall is a pretty well constructed segment overall uh, i think there's only like one or two mo- mostly just one uh, where i was just kind of like eh, eh. most of them were okay that was pretty decent 
And then a couple times I would actually chuckle. But I think of all of them, it's the most well-constructed one as a, as a whole. But we are going to move on to our episode ratings for this, uh, this holidays episode. And, uh, I had mentioned earlier, and obviously you all are aware, Hey, here's, here's Patricia, not Brett. Uh, and, uh, but Brett was able to leave me his review of this episode and he did watch it uh, prior to. So I will, I've, he's given me permission to read his review of it for you. Uh, immediately he says in three words, I was bored. Uh, I was bored for the majority of the episode. I wanted to like it for covering dozens of holidays on the show, which no other Nick show has done, but the pacing and the jokes just didn't land for me with the exception of the locker scene and the Thanksgiving bar scene. Uh, most of the humor just feels cheesy and surface level, but that's most likely due to the rapid fire nature of the assortment of sketches. Once we got to the announcer at the end credits where he says, I'm thankful the show is over. I felt that big time. Uh, no slight to the You Can't Do That on Television crew. They're fantastic at what they do. And this show is a groundbreaking piece of Nick history. Just in this particular case, it didn't emotionally engage me as much as I would have hoped. And he gives this a rating of C, a splatfridge. Miss Patricia, what is your rating of this episode? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I will definitely agree that it's a mixed bag. Some of the skits are clearly better than others. There are some that go really, really quick and didn't exactly land on the punchline. There were some of the holidays that I felt like didn't even need to be brought up. Like, seriously, the Chinese New Year one, really? <laughs> you could have just said any other holiday or the Memorial Day. I mean, I, I understand the context of like trying to make up a holiday, but you have the opportunity to come up with some unique ideas for it and it just doesn't really land. I mean, we, we even came up with better ideas of how it would work better than what they mm -hmm. were able to they were able to show us. I mean, there were some that I really did enjoy that were like chuckle worthy, but other than that, it's yeah, it's definitely like um split down the middle. It's more hit it's more missed than hit. So I'm going to say C. Splatfridge for you. And uh, I am also going to echo the same sentiment and also give this a C, a Splatfridge. Um, timing is everything when it comes to comedy. Uh, and one thing I've noticed is usually the faster, the better. Uh, and that's just a, a comedy thing. Usually if you do comedy really slowly unless you're the sloth on Zootopia, it's not going to work. Uh, most of the time, it's just going to drag the joke and the no one cares by the time the punchline gets there. But if you do it very, very quickly, it can work very, very much in your favor. That's part of the reason why Gilmore Girls works as well as it does, because no one talks that fast. No conversation goes that fast, but it, it's very, very quick paced. And a lot of the quick little punchlines they have make people laugh. And, and it just goes on right into the next thing, which also is why Roundhouse does the comedy as quickly as they do. Um, there, there, there is something to be said about the importance of pausing for laughter. So that way your jokes don't get missed. It's all in timing. And I really feel like as a whole, you can't do that on television suffers from bad timing. 
sometimes it is fantastic and it is quick and it's and it's done. Uh, we, we've listed a couple examples of that earlier in this episode, but there's also sometimes when the joke is there, it's done, but it goes on just a little too long with like one or two more lines that you could have had a nice solid punch and then cut to the next uh, uh, segment. And by the time it would cut, it would make you laugh uh, mm-hmm. because uh, like, for example, the trick or treat segment. Uh, where he's like, water, it's just a glass of water, dunk, and then just stand there. And then Christine could have said something like, uh, because the the joke she said was, no one said anything about a treat. And that could have just been trick and pulled the glass away and then cut to the next thing. Uh, It's just tiny little tweaks like that. And uh, some of them had a good setup for a joke, but no punchline whatsoever, uh, where even uh, both you and I were going, what? what? So uh, it's not bad. It, it really isn't a bad episode. And there's quite a bit of de- pretty decent stuff in here. Uh, the April Fool's joke, I think, was an absolutely flawless one, one of the few in the episode. But overall, it's very very much i echo the same sentiment a mixed bag and really suffers from just that comedic timing yeah now i would argue that if you are to stretch a joke if you're able to follow it up with a joke that can make you laugh it will make the punchline even worth it uh paul rubens aka Wee herman was able to come up with an uh, a story where he was able to say that if you have forgotten a punchline and you've forgotten what you were going to say at the end of your joke and you just stop right there and then you would just go to the audience and say i love that story and then you're out you're out and that's a great example it's like if you are able to tell a long-winded joke and you completely forget the punchline or you don't think that the punchline will land say something that you think that will get an audience reaction and no matter how long or how long-winded that the joke is if you say something that quick that can be able to give a reaction to the audience that's very positive, you might as well have just t- told a three-second joke that would have been just as funny. So, again, I think it's all about execution. I personally think that anything can be done well as long as it's properly executed. So, even if this joke was to be a slight bit longer, it could have been done well if the final punchline or the final line would have just nailed it. But, yeah, I would say that because of its long length and because it doesn't follow up with the proper punchline that concludes it all really nicely, it just makes it feel longer than what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And and I, 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 can, I can echo that. I can agree with that. Uh, Paul Rubens is a master of really, really long story jokes. Uh, and if you want some examples of that, just go on YouTube and look at some of his time on David Letterman. Uh, I guess he's got some great stuff there. Or even watch the the Broadway show. Uh, him with that freaking balloon is, <laughs> is great. Uh, I'm sorry, the balloon joke on the Broadway show was better than the one that he did on, uh, on Big Holiday. Yeah, I, I hated that one <laughs> so much. But it was so well, like you say, it was well executed. Uh, you can do it if you if you do it right, and you really have to have a good performer who knows the timing just right. Uh, the, uh, Steve Martin whenever he was first getting started and was doing a lot of stand-up, 
he would come out and do some masterful, masterful uh, illusions while told with ridiculous jokes. And one time he got the audience. He said, everyone, come outside, follow me. And he left the auditorium and went outside to a car that was parked on the side of the road. And he pulled out a straw and he said, I am going to suck this car through this straw. And he got down on his knees and put the straw right up to the car and got ready to suck on the straw. And then he stopped and looked at all of them and said, the funniest thing about all this is you expect something to actually happen. And then this goes back inside. And that's the whole punchline. I mean, there, there is a really, it, you, it needs a, like Alan Goodman says, it needs a good button to be able to tell the joke and, and sell it right at the very end. Um, Timing is extremely important. Execution is important. Comedy is tough. They're... It's it's objective. That's the thing. Comedy is very, very difficult to write for. That's why so many uh, actors can do drama or horror, especially horror, because you can anyone can scream and be terrified. But being successful in comedy takes some very, very serious skill. So I think that there were some moments in which that you can't do that on television was able to be pretty successful in it. And then there's some other ones where it just kind of falls flat, which again, gets it a little bit more or less kind of a recommendation on checking out certain skits as opposed to like checking out all the skits, like I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, where... Uh, when you talk about like a, a variety show or um, an anthology show or something like that, where it's known for its segments, some people will tune into maybe like one or two of it and not the entire package because, yeah. I mean, unless of course, if you're one of the rare cases in which like all of the segments are like gold, like absolute brilliant, there's going to be a case in which one or two are going to be highlighted more than the others. Well, we are going to segue into our quick segment for the episode. It's been a while since we've had the opportunity to do this, so we are going to check out Say What. Say what? Say what? Say what? Say what? All right, now usually uh, it would be one of us uh, versus one of our guests, but obviously it's just going to be the two of us today. So instead, what I'm going to do is we're just going to see uh, how many of these that Patricia can get right. Okay. Um, and uh, we've we've got a point system that we've got going uh, that Brett has always utilized, and we'll just we'll just see how what the high score can be out of out of how many. And uh, because this is you can't do that on television, and I'm sorry, the only ones I really remember is is Christine and and uh, Alistair. So I, I've got multiple choice in here because sometimes all these kids blending together, the, the names just blend in. And unless you really really watch the show a lot, it's going to be difficult for most audience members to remember all these cast members' names. Right. So, the way and, say and especially depending on which season you watch, yes. they, uh, with the exception of maybe Lisa or Alistair or Christine, a lot of them get swapped out. So yes, yes. Yeah, you have you have to really pay close attention. Uh, so say what these are all quotes from the episode okay. itself, and you have to guess who, what character, what performer said this line. Okay. So starting off, we have for two points. The burger is casting a shadow. Does that mean six more weeks of winter? Was this Alistair or Dougie? I think it was Alistair. It was Alistair. Nice. Two points already. Oh, oh, look, the burger's casting a shadow. Does that mean six more weeks of winter? Question number two. 
You know, I think Lisa is dating a turkey. Was that Lisa or Christine? Or not Lisa, um, Vanessa. Was that Vanessa or Vanessa. Christine? Yeah, Vanessa. I think, was it was it Christine who said that? It was Vanessa who said oh, that. Vanessa. You know, I think Lisa's dating a turkey. Uh, question number three for four points. I've seen a lot of opposite sketches, but this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Was this Santa, Mrs. Claus, Doc, or Val? It was the doctor. It was the doctor. I've seen a lot of opposite sketches, but this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, question number four for four points. Working on this show is like being on holiday, and we should pay, and we should be paid just to be here. Was this Alistair, Christine, or Dougie? Was this Christine? This was also Alistair. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Working on this show is just like being on holiday. Oh, and uh, we should pay just to be here. Yeah. Oh. Question number five for six points. What is the big holiday in April that we celebrate what used to be the Roman New Year? Was this Alistair, Christine, Ross, or Dougie? Um, that would be Ross. That is Ross. What is the big holiday in April that we celebrate what used to be the Roman New Year? And question number six for six points. If Santa Claus doesn't bring me what I want, he's going to get clubbed. Was this, <laughs> was this Vanessa, Alistair, or Dougie? That's Dougie. That was absolutely Dougie. Santa Claus doesn't bring me what I want. He's gonna get close. Question number seven for eight points. Income tax day is no holiday. Was that was that <laughs> Ross, Lance, or uh, Christine? Ooh, um, trying to remember. I think that was Ross. It was it was Christine. Oh, okay. Ross was the one who was all about income tax day. But she was the one who said, there's no holiday for income tax day is no holiday. And that's when Ross cries into the hanky. Oh, OK, gotcha. Income tax day is no holiday. You're telling me. <laughs> Question number eight for eight points. Don't encourage your mother. Was that Ross, Lance or Mr. Scheidler? That's Lance. That is Lance. And our final question, question number nine for 10 points. You mean that all those years, year after year, I've been sitting here on holidays doing absolutely nothing while you guys were having fun and I didn't have to? Was that Ross, Lance, or Mr. Scheidler? That's Mr. Scheidler. That is Mr. Scheidler for 10 points, leaving you with a total of 36 points, which oh, is nice. not bad at all. Hmm. Let me see how many all together. Out of 50 points, out of a total of 50, you have 36. Which no, that's is, not too bad. Which is fairly respectable, uh, considering that a lot of these characters blend together. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, we are going to take a look at our closing question for the episode for all of you Slimesters. 
What are some of your favorite festive you can't do that on television sketches? You can write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at splatattack podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can interact with us uh, wherever you find us on various socials and let us know what your thoughts are. And thank you very, very much, Patricia, for joining me at the... This was very, very last minute, uh, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and join me for this episode. It's been a blast having you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. Wow. Until our next episode, I think I'm going to try to scrape all the slime off this wall, and I believe Patricia needs to mark her calendar for the next upcoming holiday. Uh, which holiday is that? Uh, gee, I don't know. You might need some water to clean that off. (laughs) We really should be more careful with our word choices. I agree. (laughs) Splat you later, Slimesters. Bye. So now there's all new episodes of You Can't Do That on Television. (laughs) New episodes. New faces. And a fresh new attitude. (laughs) All new episodes of You Can't Do That on Television. What do you expect for 99 cents? Let's party! All next week on Nickelodeon.